Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo on this first day in February. Crazy it is February already, but we're there. Almost a year removed from Super Bowl 57, which still hurts. We talked about it yesterday a little bit, but big show scheduled for today. It's Thursday, so you know what that means. My man, Mark Farzetta, will be joining the show later on. But I want to talk about A.J. Brown again. We touched on it yesterday, but for some reason that is still in the news. Although it doesn't make any sense, but we'll talk about A.J. Brown. I want to talk about the reports that Bill Belichick was still being considered by the Eagles. I think that is BS. Don't think it's happening. Don't think it was even considered, but we'll talk about that. And I want to talk about what Jason Kelsey had to say about Nick Sirianni. Because you guys know, you don't all agree with me, but you know why I was in complete favor of bringing back Nick Sirianni as the head coach. And now you have Jason Kelsey again coming out to support this guy. So I'm not sure what else you all need to hear that bringing him back was the right move. And then I want to talk about a player that may not be here next year. Everyone's talking about A.J. Brown. He's not the one I'm concerned about. There's somebody else that I'm concerned about. But this is the Philly Sports Power Hour. We are streaming live across all the Jacob Sports Networks. We are also live on all my social channels as well. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. We are everywhere. So make sure you're subscribed to all the social media channels. Make sure you're not only subscribed to Jacob Sports, but make sure you're following me because in addition to this show and my Legal Hands to the Face show, we're posting daily content about the Philadelphia Eagles on all these platforms. So make sure you're following along. But let's jump right in. Let's get a little roll call first. Let me get a roll call from some of the Power Hour crew here in the chat. I saw Teresa Pascarello nice and early. Good morning. William Stark flexing and stepping. Invincible. Bridget Tobin, Jason Eighteen, Peter Doty, Rob from Temple, Temple Strong. I'm Temple Tough as well. Went to law school in Temple. Undergrad at Gettysburg. Played football at Gettysburg, but law school at Temple. Jimmy Wen in the house. Twiz, Bobby Murphy, Peter Doty, Bill for Prez. God, no. Want nothing to do with politics, my man. Stan Bruce, Wine Niners Wine. And I see a lot of people checking in on TikTok as well. Ice cream. Oh, boy. Brady Opel trolling, saying, go Pens, because I'm rocking the Flyers shirt today. 
I don't say I don't know if we're still on uh, on Instagram, having a hard time seeing on Instagram. But if we're on Instagram too, good to see everybody. But let's jump in. So AJ Brown. I said it yesterday that it would be absolutely crazy, absolutely insane to consider trading your best offensive player. And I'm going to get into other reasons why it's insane, but let's just look at on the field why you wouldn't do that. And we talked a little bit about it yesterday, and I had people in the chat saying, oh, well, you're going to have to pay Devontae Smith, and we don't want him. He's a diva and all these things. Well, first of all, there's been some misinformation out there that A.J. Brown was upset because he wasn't getting the ball enough towards the end of the season. So I went back and looked. I wanted to look at the stats to see, is there any truth in that? Was there any truth that A.J. Brown wasn't getting the ball enough at the end of the season? And that's not even accurate. First of all, you look at 2023, A.J. Brown. Now, this is him barely playing Week 18 against the Giants because he went down with his knee injury. He was targeted 158 times in 2023, the most in his entire career. He was targeted more in 2023 than he's ever been targeted in his entire career. So I don't understand why people, oh, well, he was unhappy. He was unhappy. And then you look at how many catches he had most in his career, 108. But then I have people saying, oh, well, it was the end of the season. It was what happened at the end of the season. Well, the first eight games of the year, he was targeted on average 10 targets a game. The last eight games, not including week 18 when he got hurt, he was targeted nine times a game. So was the diva that you guys want to call him unhappy because of one target? I don't think so, guys. I think that's overblown that this guy was unhappy with his targets. But even if any of that was true, which I don't think it was, even if any of that was true, let's look at the contract. Because all of you geniuses who think they know the salary cap, and I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. I, I don't like to be negative and, and attack people. That's not my nature. You guys know that. It just bothers me when people act as if they know what they're talking about. Oh, well, you got to cut them to save money. You got to trade them to save money. You don't save any money. So let's just look. His cap hit in 2024 is $12.4 million if he's back on the Philadelphia Eagles. 12.4. If they were to do anything pre-June 1st, that cap hit would skyrocket to a dead cap number of $41 million. So nothing would happen with a pre-June 1st designation. We know that. So what if they did a post-June 1st trade designation? His cap hit goes from 12.4 to 10.5. You save $1.8 million. $1.875 to be exact. So everyone's saying, you got you to gotta get rid of them. You got to save money. We really think that $1.875 against the salary cap is worth moving on from your best offensive player? We really think $1.875 in savings. Because that's what I keep hearing. Oh, we got to save the money. He's going to cost us too much money. It makes zero freaking sense. 
absolute zero sense. Now, next year, if we want to maybe talk about this next year to see how this season goes, well, now this salary cap number goes up a little bit. In 2025, his cap hit goes up to $26 million. If they were to do anything at that point, yeah, they would save a substantial amount of money, about $16 million if they were to do something after 2024. But you don't do it this year. Maybe we're having this conversation next summer. I would hope that they figure out a way to extend them and push that number out, which Sirianni usually does. Excuse me, Roseman, not Sirianni. But to do it now makes zero sense. Absolute zero sense. But I'm not even going to talk about it. I know he was on the Up and Adams show yesterday, and people are making a big deal that he didn't come out stronger, that he wanted to stay in Philadelphia. I was fine with his answer. If you actually go and you watch the full interview with Up and Adams, it wasn't that bad. It really wasn't. And in fact, when she asks the question to A.J. Brown about why is there all this drama and all this stuff on Twitter about you getting traded, Devontae Smith, who's also in the interview, is laughing hysterically when she asked that question because of how ridiculous of a question it is. That us in Philadelphia would even be talking about getting rid of our best offensive player. I I don't know. That just blows my mind, man, that this is even a, a talking point right now. That I have to even talk about A.J. Brown. But anyway, I want to talk about Bill Belichick for a second as well, because some reports came out yesterday. Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal appeared on 98.5, the sports hub. And now this is how whisper down the lane goes. Everyone's saying, oh, well, he said the Eagles were interested in Bill Belichick if Sirianni didn't agree to the coaching changes. Well, that's, if you actually read the quote, I'm going to read it to you. Probably the most interesting thing that I've heard. And again, this is just senior bowl rumor mill is that the Eagles were very interested in Belichick if things didn't work out with Nick Sirianni, and they could be at the front of the line if things again go poorly for him next year. Now, he says, he starts that with, again, this is just senior bowl rumor mill. And now we all take this as fact. Oh, the Eagles wanted Nick Sirianni to be gone, and they were going to go with Bill Belichick if Sirianni didn't agree. I look at that. That is not a full-blown official report. I don't believe a word of that. And the reason I don't believe a word of that is because history of Jeffrey Lurie and even Howie Roseman, they would not hire a coach like Bill Belichick. They wouldn't do it. We've talked about it before on this show. They don't hire defensive coaches. They don't hire retreads. And they certainly don't hire defensive retreads. Just look at the history. Nick Sirianni, offensive coach, not a retread. Doug Peterson, offensive coach, not a retread. Chip Kelly, offensive coach, not a retread. Andy Reid, offensive coach, not a retread. Now, Ray Rhodes was a defensive coach, but not a retread. There is not a doubt in my mind that they would not bring in Bill Belichick into this organization, especially when you hear what happened in Atlanta. He interviewed twice with the Atlanta Falcons, 
And from what I'm hearing and what the reports are is he wanted to change the whole structure of their front office and people that have been in place for years. No way Lori's bringing Belichick into this organization. So I don't get it. And you know, I've been a supporter of Sirianni. I know you guys have tacked me a little bit about that, or some of you have. But I know you all respect Jason Kelsey. I know you all believe Jason Kelsey is a hero in this town. I respect his opinion. Well, yesterday on the New Heights podcast, this is what Jason Kelsey had to say about Nick Sirianni. Nick, and I really mean this, is one of the best coaches I've been around. Talking about coaching situational ball, really understanding what to do in the right moment, and motivating guys. He went on to say, we coach things up in team meetings and hold people accountable better than pretty much any other coach I've been around. I think he does a lot of things. Players love him. They'll play hard for him. I know it was a really shitty year for us, but I think that Nick has a lot to bring as value as the head coach and the organizational leadership that he provides to the team. This is coming from Jason Kelsey. So all you guys calling me Billy Spadaro, do we want to call Jason Kelsey Jason Spadaro? You don't respect that opinion from a guy who's been in the league as long as he's been in the league? We're going to just call Nick Sirianni a clown and a cheerleader? You're talking to Jason Kelsey saying this. Now, look, I get players aren't going to say negative things about their coach. Kelsey wasn't going to come out and say negative things, but he didn't have to go out of his way to be so over the top about Nick Sirianni and his praise for Nick Sirianni. He also goes on to say, Nick has shown in his tenure with the Eagles that he's going to do whatever he thinks is in the best interest of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to make those decisions, and he doesn't care about how other people perceive it. He doesn't care about anything other than what's in the best interest of the team. I think players respect the hell out of coaches that operate on that level and communicate things like that. He's a very unselfish guy. And he finishes it with, all I know is we have a great coach in Nick Sirianni. We just got a great defensive coordinator, defensive mind in Vic Fangio, and we got a great offensive mind in Kellen Moore. In my opinion, we're hiring more talented individuals to continue to be a part of the staff. This is why I told you, I feel good today. I felt good about the direction of this organization since the last game of the season. So, not understanding why people want to get rid of A.J. Brown. Not understanding why people want to get rid of Nick Sirianni. Not understanding why people think that they would have brought in Bill Belichick. Because none of it was going to happen. None of it. Now, before we bring on Farsi, because he always joins us on Thursday, and me and Farsi haven't been seeing eye to eye. You guys know that. There is one player on this team that I am concerned about may not be here next year. I want him here. But that's Hassan Reddick. Now, everybody's talking about A.J. Brown and his contract. The issue is Reddick's contract. Because, first of all, Hassan Reddick is the best defensive player on this team. I want him back. 11 sacks in 23, 16 sacks in 2022. You look at the last four seasons. He's had 11 or more sacks every single year. 
in the last four seasons. There's only one other player in the NFL to do that, and that's Miles Garrett. So from a skill perspective, I want Reddick back. We should all want Reddick back. The issue is the contract. Because we know before the 2023 season, Reddick wasn't happy with his deal. He signed a three-year, $45 million contract in 2022. You look at the other edge rushers in the NFL, yes, Reddick is underpaid. You look at what these other guys are making. Miles Garrett, $25 million a year. I don't think Reddick is on Garrett's level. But Garrett's making $10 million a year more than Reddick. You look at TJ Watt and guys like that, they're making $30 million a year. But here's the issue. As unhappy as Reddick was with the contract, I now think the Eagles are going to be unhappy with the contract because in 2023, Hassan Reddick had a cap hit of $6.9 million. In 2024, that skyrockets to 21.8. And unlike A.J. Brown's contract, which I talked to you about, where if they do anything post-June 1st, they only save $1.8 million, if they were to move on from Hassan Reddick with a post-June 1st designation, they would save $16 million against the cap. So one of two things is going to happen with Hassan Reddick. First, what I'm hoping happens is him and the Eagles are able to come to an agreement on an extension. Extend him, lower that cap hit, keep him in this organization. To me, that's the ideal situation. The problem is, is if he wants too much money, if Reddick says to them, I want to be paid like the TJ Watts and the Miles Garretts of the NFL, they're not going to pay him that. And they're certainly not going to bring him back on his current deal with a $21.8 million cap hit. So either one, they come to an agreement on an extension, or two, they don't, and Reddick's gone. There is zero chance he's back this season on his current deal. And that's a concern to me. Because they already are light at the edge position. They drafted Nolan Smith last year in the first round with the hopes that he was going to take over for Hassan Reddick. But after his rookie campaign, I'm not confident that he's going to do that. He may grow into that. But we just don't know. So keep your eye on that one. I think we shouldn't be talking about A.J. Brown and creating drama that doesn't exist, but what we should be concerned about is Hassan Reddick. We're going to take a quick break, guys. I appreciate all of you here. I see you guys in the chat, some agreeing, some not. I love it. Either way, I love my power crew. But hit that like button, hit that share button. When we come back, we're going to be joined by my man, Mark Farzetta. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, 
We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody, and welcome back in. The Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. We're now getting to one of my favorite parts of the week. Our Thursdays with Farsi. What's going on, Mark Farzetta? How you feeling today, brother? Fantastic, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing well. I think people in this city are losing their damn minds. But other than that, <laughs> I'm doing well. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah, shocked, much. Farsi. I'm just shocked at all the talk yesterday. And even spilling into today about people who think getting rid of A.J. Brown makes sense. Please tell me this is something we can agree on, that trading A.J. Brown would be absolute insanity. It would be stupid. Okay, <laughs> it wouldn't even be. you agree on something. Would... <laughs> All right, here's, what I, here's what I hate, Bill. And I, I, when I, when I, hate's a strong word, and I mean every letter of it when I say hate. I hate what a lot of media has become and if you, i liken it to this and i remember when we when you and i were growing up the jerry jerry springer the jerry springer show was must watch television you couldn't miss it and then i heard this it was a, it was a phenomenon and there was this breakdown by a psychologist i caught one time about 
how we as a society are always drawn to the car accident. Whenever we're driving down the street or driving down the road, the highway, especially there's the rubber neckers that are like, Oh, what's that? And then the traffic gets backed up on the other side because everyone is drawn to that accident. There's no real appeal substance or value from it. People are just, Oh, I got to see this because it's the circus in other words. And that's what the Jerry Springer show was. The way we go about our lives now, unfortunately, has become more like the Jerry Springer show than ever, because the currency used to be knowledge, informed opinions, uh, and validity. Now, the only thing that matters is being that car accident. The only thing that matters is getting that attention. It doesn't matter if you agree. It doesn't matter if you love it. it doesn't matter if you hate it. As long as you draw the attention, as long as you give it the click, that's the only thing that matters. So now the, the currency in today's world is no longer those three things that matter that I mentioned. The, th the, the only currency that really matters is attention. And if saying A.J. Brown should be traded or the Eagles should trade A.J. Brown or A.J. Brown is going to be traded or A.J. Brown doesn't want to be here or A.J. Brown is a is a diva somehow, then that gets attention. And that's the currency we live in, in a click-driven society now where those eyeballs can be measured and those ears can be measured better than ever. The only thing that matters is that you got attention, not if it's informed, not if it's good, uh, not if it's accurate. It's, oh, attention? Great. And as a society, we don't. We don't just scroll past it. We click, we tap, we look right at it, and we give it that attention, which is giving it the only currency that matters. Yeah, it's the hot taker. You know, you just got to say something crazy, get all the yeah. attention. But here's why it doesn't make sense. You just look at it on the field. Yes, he's the best player. But mm -hmm. let's just assume we want to do this to save money. <laughs> I see a lot of people in the in the chat and right. a lot of people on Twitter saying, yeah. oh, well, they need to pay Smitty, so we got to get rid of A.J. Brown. You don't save any money this season by moving on from A.J. Brown. Now, mm -hmm. if we had this conversation in 2024 when the season's over, right. then you're talking about saving a lot of money on the cap. But right now, if they do anything with a pre-June 1st designation, his cap hit goes from 12.4 up to 41 million. So nothing's happening before June 1st. Yeah. If you did it with a post June 1st, you save $1.8 million. So we really think that getting rid of our best offensive player for 1.8 million makes sense. And then to take it a step further, Farzi, this is where the insanity really comes in is I have people saying, well, get the draft picks. And let Howie Roseman draft a wide receiver because that has worked out so well over the years. Other yeah. than Devontae Smith, yeah. you look back at all of the draft picks that Howie Roseman has made at wide receiver, and that's our plan? Yeah. Marzi, help me make it sense, man. Help me. I can't. Sense. I can't. That's just the thing. There's no accuracy. There's no semblance of reality when it comes to even making this statement. Now, I would trade AJ Brown. Oh, okay. So let's let's just jump into it for a second there. Does it make sense because it makes you a better football team? Oh, no, quite the opposite. All right, great. So that's out. Does it save you money? Oh, no, God, not, not even a little bit. Did you just bring in an offensive coordinator that is, uh, you know, a little pass happy and likes to throw the ball down the field? Yes, absolutely. So you want to get better? You want to get rid of your best wide receiver? Uh, yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense there either. So again, where's the validity? Where's the accuracy? From any, any rational thinking football fan who is just – taking a gander at any salary cap website knows this doesn't make a sense, any sense whatsoever. So if you just say, Oh, you know what? Well, just, he's, he's got a bad attitude. Let me tell you, 
one of the most truthful things AJ Brown said during his um, the media session that he had all pent up for two weeks was, "If I say anything negative, I'm a diva. I get labeled the bad guy, and that is so accurate. That is dead on balls accurate, my friend. If he says anything that is even the slightest critique." He gets thrown under the bus as a diva and a poison and a, and a locker room cancer and all that stuff. Where I really believe that AJ Brown is a great teammate. And people that want to look at the stuff that you said, that he said during um, the sideline spats and all that, the, the more we get to, removed from it, I thought at the time that's about targets. He wants to get the ball. He wants to get the ball. The next play went to him and all that. I don't think that was just about AJ Brown. I think that was about the receivers. I think that was about Jalen Hurts not seeing his open receivers, not just A.J. Brown, but Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and maybe guys out of the backfield as well. It wasn't just about A.J. Brown saying, me, 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 give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. Look at us. We're open. You're not going through your progressions fast enough. You need to see that we're open. We're there for you. We got this. You know, I think it was more about the team of receivers and not just him as an individual. And when you talk about him as a possible cancer or a bad locker room guy, whatever the, the case may be, I think that is a wildly unjust claim, but the minute you throw that negative or you put him in that negative light, the, the more people are drawn to that and just want to cling to that idea of, oh, another diva wide receiver. Here we go. When I think it's quite the opposite uh, when it comes to A.J. Brown. And here's what diva wide receivers don't do. They, they don't say it's my fault. And A.J. Brown flat out took full responsibility for the collapse of this team as a player took full responsibility for this team. Not coaches, not scheme, not the not the front office. We didn't perform as players. That's not what a diva says. That's a, that's, a, that's that's the exact opposite. That's the exact guy that I want in my locker room that will take that type of responsibility. So I think his name is being dragged through the mud unjustly, unfairly, and with absolutely no, no uh, thought as to what's the best for this team. Did you have an opportunity to read the Joe Santaliquito article on Bleeding Green Nation? Did you read oh, that article? Oh, yeah, and I, and I interviewed Joe as well, yes. I thought you did. We had Joe on Sports Take when I was covering for Tone. Okay. And in that article, one of the things when he's talking about how Jalen Hurts needs to be a more vocal leader, he says a lot of times Jalen defers to A.J. Brown when it comes to leadership, that A.J. Brown's the guy who's the vocal leader in the locker room. So I agree with you 100%. We all have this perception of A.J. as being a diva. I don't think that's how he's perceived in the Eagles locker room. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's weird. If you think about wide receivers that have been leaders or guys that have been um, very commanding of respect, there's not many. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald was one of them, but he was quiet. He was very quiet. He didn't say anything. He was very much to himself. So when a wide receiver goes out there and starts to be vocal or voices frustration, it, it gets looked at as me first more than anything. And I don't know if that's just because of the wide receiver mantra and the aura that surrounds wide receivers in the NFL, but there are very few wide receivers out there that are looked at as leaders because most of them, if they open their mouth, they are that diva. They are that guy. Oh, he's got something, you know, some constructive criticism. No, screw that. He's a cancer. All that stuff. It, it's very odd if you really think about it. And I thought about this with AJ Brown after I read the article. There are very few wide receivers in the NFL that will come to the forefront as a team leader. Because if anyone is revving a guy up, usually that's a quarterback. That might be an offensive lineman. Maybe it's a running back. But wide receivers are always just so easy to put in that box of, God forbid, drama queen diva that they kind of shy away from it at times. So I did think it was interesting 
that Jalen Hurts, maybe a guy that isn't the rah-rah guy, maybe he is the guy that just will send a text message to Quez Watkins and say, hey, you know, be ready. You know, spotlight's going to be on you, whatever. Man, I've been ready, whatever. Maybe that's more of his thing, and he'll defer to guys that are more naturally outspoken as leaders, and that's what a guy like A.J. Brown is. Well, we got big Sills in the house. Good to see Sills in the house, but he's calling A.J. Brown A.J. Owens, which is never <laughs> – Never hey, a good sign. You Sills. say you say what you want, Sills, about uh, that Terrell Owens. Okay, T.O. came back from uh, his foot. I believe was broken off. Uh, his leg is broken off below the kneecap, and he made it back to play in the Super Bowl. That man's a warrior, and, I, and you know this is a perfect example. This is a perfect example because T.O. even said, if you remember, leading up to that Super Bowl, if anybody else would have done this, if it was Brett Favre, oh, Brett Favre, he'd be a warrior. He's a warrior, but I do it, and, oh, I'm a me-first guy. It's all about me. No, he wants to go out there and win a Super Bowl, and he was the best player on the field in that Super Bowl, if you remember. So, yeah, I'd I'd happily take back T.O. right now. Well, and, and here's what's interesting, and then I want to move on from A.J. Brown because there's a lot of other things I want to talk to you about. Keep, keep bringing that heat, Sills. One of, the, one of the things that's getting tossed around social media is that A.J. Brown was unhappy – with the amount of targets he started to get towards the end of the season. So I actually went and looked at all the numbers because, is that true? Did his targets drop? They dropped by an average of one target a game. So when we're talking about this, first eight games of the year, A.J. Brown was targeted 10 times a game. The last eight games of the year, not including Week 18 when he got hurt, he was targeted nine times a game. So are we really saying that he was upset because of one less target? And to take it one step further, he had 158 targets this past season, the most he's ever had in his career. 108 catches, the most he's ever had in his career. And that's barely playing in week 18. So I'm, I'm not buying it. And I just don't think that the savings you get this year, $1.8 million, make sense to me. But let's move on. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Yeah. I want to talk about something else. Now, you and I see eye-to-eye on A.J. Brown. We have not seen eye-to-eye on Nick Sirianni. And I just want to know if you respect Jason Kelsey's opinions. Not about Nick Sirianni, just in general. Over the years that Jason Kelsey has been in this town, do you respect what he has to say? Uh, No, I don't think anybody respects Jason. Who the hell respects Jason Kelsey? No, okay. Of course I respect what he has to say. But I got questions, man. I got questions because I know where you're going with this. I got I'm a lot of questions. You up. I'm lawyering you right now. I'm <laughs> setting you up on the witness stand. Are you leading the witness? Objection. Leading the witness. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I, I respect everything, which is why when I heard what he had to say yesterday, and I'll let you set the table, but when I heard it, I went, eh, I love what I'm hearing. I didn't like the result. And it's results-based business, baby. So, yeah, go ahead. What do you, what do you got yeah. on Jason Kelsey? So, before you joined the show, I read a bunch of the quotes sure. from Jason Kelsey on the New Heights podcast. Basically, endorsing Nick Sirianni and again just, again exactly yeah. again and not just lip service very because look no player is going to say anything negative about his coach but right. I mean he went really far to talk about how he's one of the best coaches I've been around talking about situational awareness talking about motivating his guys I mean he really went far in support of Nick Sirianni does that change your opinion at all about the Eagles decisions to keep Nick Sirianni. Oh God, no. <laughs> I like again to get away from the hot take thing. Like what I what I say into the microphone, it's not like here this will get it. It's like no, I I'm real. I try to be real, so it's not just something that I go. Oh well, this it makes more sense, so we get more clicks. Let me just throw that against the wall. No, it's truly how I feel. So 
I've heard what Jason Kelsey has to say. That's great. Why didn't it work? Why it didn't work is the bigger problem. I got no doubt that Nick Sirianni is like a good dude and really tries to motivate his guys and really tries to hold him accountable and all the things. And I, I wrote a list of it for my show this morning, but here it is. Uh, one of the best coaches I've ever been around. Game situations, situational football, one of the best to coach in that category. Holds players ac accountable better than anyone he's been around. Players accountable in, in team meetings. Uh, and motivating his players better than oh, anyone I've ever been around. Where the hell did it go? And as we've talked about many times, it wasn't just go, you know, the, the last seven games of the season here. It wasn't just nine points in a playoff game. It wasn't just the offense being kept out of the end zone against the Cowboys in Dallas. It's not just that. It's the whole year. Like so, let's 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 uh let's uh call in our our famous Jason Kelsey. It's the whole year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's not just the end of the year. It's the whole year. So if you're looking at it like that, you're talking about a team that very easily, without grasping at straws, could have been a six and eleven team, could have been a seven and ten team, very easily with a couple of bounces going the wrong way in a multitude of games. Not just like one or two games that they squeaked by, right? A multitude of games this season. They had played, and it was your words, actually, if I remember correctly, and if I misquote you, I apologize, please correct me. They tried to show us who they were all year and who they were as the team that we saw at the end of the season. So with that, motivating, game plan, situational football. I mean, no better example than the A.J. Brown touchdown against the, the commanders that you and I have spoken at length about. No better example than 8-15 remaining in the Seattle Seahawks game first down. You're up four points, and you bomb the ball down the field. To Quez Walker. That ain't situational football. So if this is your message and you're so good at accountability, you're so good at motivating, you're so good at situational football, why the hell am I seeing the same mistakes throughout the entire year? If anything, I, I look, I love that Jason Kelsey said it. And in that world of, well, what's he going to say? Well, he's not going to say all that if he truly believes it, which he does. But why didn't it work? Why didn't it have an effect? Why didn't the team play better? Why couldn't the team find anything close to an answer? So that's great that he's great at motivating and accountability and all that stuff and all the things that have been highlighted. But why didn't it take? Was it just because of his coordinators? Was it because of the, the, the switch that happened? According to Nick Sirianni, he made the switch from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia. If all that's great, why did we see no proof in the pudding with this football team down the stretch? That's my question. It's great that he said it, but I just have questions. Why didn't it take? So this is why... I'm getting attacked a little bit from my power hour crew here calling me <laughs> Bill Spadaro because I truly believe, I truly believe. Now, this may yeah. be considered me making an excuse for Nick Sirianni. But when you look at the history of the NFL, what we were asking Nick Sirianni to do this year had never been done in NFL history. There is no team that has ever gone to a Super Bowl lost both their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator and got any farther than the divisional round. And all offseason, we were concerned about the Super Bowl hangover. And I see, I feel now everybody wants to just, ah, that's an excuse. Well, we were all worried about it. We were all saying, hey, look, only six coaches have ever survived losing a Super Bowl and getting their team back. And we talk about legendary coaches. None of those six coaches ever had to do it after losing an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. So when you put all of those factors into place, I think a lot of what we saw this season accompanied with a really bad defensive personnel, really bad defensive roster, 
And you combine all of those things, how we as a fan base could sit here now and say, fire Nick Sirianni. He's a clown. He's a cheerleader. (laughs) After what he did in his first two seasons and then what he was trying to overcome last year, in my opinion, he deserves another season. I will be the first to admit if he does a bad job this year, he should be gone. But I think he's earned one more season as head coach. You know, that's my feeling. We need to go back on Ancestry.com or 23. I don't know which one would do it. And just see if the Spaderos and the uh, Colorulos were like living across the street from each other in Sicily or something <laughs> and sharing cutlets and sharing the macaroni recipes and sharing the arancini and all that stuff. Because I got to tell you this, man, I've been hearing a lot of spuds in this. Hearing a lot of spuds, friend. Well, hold on, let me say this because I see a lot of people in the chat coming after me. I did a poll on my Instagram. And if you're not already following, make sure you're following me on Instagram. I did a poll <laughs> and I said, did the Eagles make the right decision keeping Nick Sirianni? It was overwhelmingly yes. Mm. So although a lot of people are vocal saying they should have fired Nick Sirianni, I do firmly believe that a majority mm. of the fan base agrees that Sirianni should come back. Not my power hour crew for some reason. <laughs> Not my peeps who are here every day, but a majority of the fan base. But let's let's move on because I want to ask you before we got to roll. You mentioned new offensive coordinator. Yeah. You and I spoke Wednesday last, excuse me, Thursday last week. News broke on Saturday night, so we didn't get a chance to talk yet. What do you think about Kellen Moore as the new offensive coordinator? All right. Before he was hired, my my opinion was meh, meh. After he was hired, having to focus on a little bit more, unearth some more things about Kellen Moore, I am – ready and have said multiple times, this is a good hire. If you're looking for a thumbs up, thumbs down type of approach to this, thumbs up. It's it's a pass fail as of right now, pass. And I, I, I warned people, don't make it, don't make Brian Johnson and what happened this year, the bar. Okay. Don't just be like, well, at least he has experience. Right. And then, okay, fine. Like you want someone, okay. So you want somebody that has experience. He's obviously, he's got that experience. He's got more than a year or two. He's got five which is obviously more experience than uh, Steichen and Brian Johnson had a combined before they assumed the position here with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, And he's got experience as a play caller as well for five years in the NFL. Add on top of that, he's had a number one ranked defense. Um, Add on top of that, uh, he made the playoffs with predominantly a backup quarterback and Andy Dalton. Uh, Add on top of that, he's worked for uh, two different head coaches. Add on top of that, Mike McCarthy deemed him worthy of being the play caller in a Mike McCarthy offense, quote unquote, or Mike McCarthy team. So those are all big feathers in the cap of Kellen Moore when it comes to him being an offensive coordinator. So yes, I will say it is a good hire for the Philadelphia Eagles to bring in Kellen Moore as their quarterback. Oh, and also let's not forget he coached Ben DiNucci. Let's not forget that game either. Ben DiNucci. So look at you. So me and you, we're agreeing on a lot of things today. Look at us. AJ Brown would be insane. I like the Kellen Moore hire. Good hire. I think Kellen Moore is going to do a lot of good things for this offense. You hit the nail on the head with a lot of that. We have an experienced play caller now. Oh boy. Big sales is coming strong today (laughs) because now he's saying Jalen is a running back. Oh, good God. We got to do the whole Jalen hurts thing. I got to get on with big sales. I haven't had an opportunity to talk to him, but I watch your show. Big sales. I I love it. Love you, man. Love. Appreciate you being here too for the power hour. 
But look, look, if, if Big Seals is correct and Jalen is nothing but a running back, it probably won't matter what Kellen Moore does. <laughs> but I'm excited to see what Kellen Moore is going to bring to this offense and specifically Jalen Hurts because although this was a little bit of a down year for Jalen, I think everyone would agree with that, mostly because of turnovers. Interceptions went way up. Lost fumbles went way up. But I just don't think that Jalen Hurts, the guy we saw in 2022, I just don't think that that was an aberration. A, 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 what do you call yeah. it? An outlier year. Right, I yeah. Because not only did he – yeah, not only did he do it all year, look at what he did in the Super Bowl. I mean, look at what he did in the biggest game of his life. He put up a stat line we've never seen before yeah. in NFL history. I'm still confident that Jalen Hurts is going to be able to get back to the 2022 MVP caliber. Yeah, and look, yeah, I agree. And here's what I really caution people on here, okay? Uh, was there a regression this year in play? Bottom line, yes, there was a regression from Jalen Hurts this year in play. Uh there was a hell of a lot of regression all over the place with the Philadelphia Eagles. And Nick Sirianni having to, I hate to even say it, but overcome an inexperienced defensive coordinator, an inexperienced to the point of never calling plays in the NFL and Brian Johnson. To overcome that and your quarterback, I guess, trying to feel almost like there was that, God forbid I in invoke the Superman complex where he's the guy that's going to make the play. That's what it looked like to me, that he was going to make that big play and stretch the field and trying to do too much and all that stuff. Bottom line is, yes, he regressed, but a lot of people regressed around Jalen Hurts. And I know it's a great topic to talk about a quarterback and whether or not he's the guy or he isn't the guy again. How much fun is that to go back to that topic that we had uh, two off seasons ago? To me, he is the guy. He's the franchise quarterback. I ride with Jalen Hurts for as long as we can as the franchise quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. I hope that this guy is here for 10 years, and I think that he will validate himself as a 10-plus-year quarterback for the same football team and being that starting quarterback for the same football team for a decade. And he'll be good enough to do that, and he'll compete for more MVP awards, maybe even win one as his career goes on. But this year was so messed up down the stretch. Nobody had an answer. The, the biggest disservice that they have done to Jalen Hurts in a year full of disservices is how do you face a team like Wink Martindale's Giants defense, all the blitzing that happened in that game, and then eight days later face a Todd Bowles defense that you know is going to do a lot of the same stuff? No hot routes, no, no hot reads, no blitz pickup difference, just continue to get shelled. And that's supposed to be on Jalen Hurts? That ain't on Jalen Hurts. There's a lot that's on Jalen Hurts, don't get me wrong. But this was an organizational failure this year not all on Jalen Hurts' shoulders yeah I agree I think Jalen just like I say Nick Sirianni deserves another year I think that we need to give Jalen a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here I mean one of the things when you look at one of the I mean there's a ton of stats we could look at you could look at the the route designs and the play designs but the fact that only five percent of Jalen Hurts passes this year were between the hashes is insane to me. The lowest out of 30 qualified quarterbacks, 5%. And one thing that I had been saying I'm really excited about with Kellen Moore is his ability to get his playmakers open to get the ball in space. Because you look at this Philadelphia Eagles team last year. In 2022, they were one of the best teams in the league with yards after catch. In 2023, they dropped to about 23rd, 24 in the NFL in yards after catch. To me... That's less on the quarterback and more on the route designs, the plays, the play calling. 
Kellen Moore, even with a bad Los Angeles Chargers offense, was top five in yards after catch. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And that's criminal mm-hmm. for Brian Johnson and even Nick Sirianni. He takes some blame here, too, to have playmakers like A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and DeAndre Swift out of the backfield. And you're close to the bottom of the NFL right. in Yak. So I'm giving Jalen a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Let's see how he does with a more seasoned play caller in Kellen Moore. Real quick, I want to correct something I said. Uh, I said he made the playoffs. They didn't. He did not. It was the following year he made. He got back in the playoffs. My apologies. Got you. Well, one more thing I want to talk to you about because you had talked about the hot take AJ Brown and people are just saying these things to get clicks. Right now, there's one guy that I don't think people are talking about enough that I definitely want back here next year, but there's a real possibility won't be, and that's Hassan Reddick. Because when you look at his contract, now, not like A.J. Brown's contract, you look at Hassan Reddick's contract, and there's no way Howie Roseman wants him on that deal this season, and there's no way Hassan Reddick wants to be on that deal this season. We know Reddick thought he was underpaid last year. His cap hit goes from 6.9 million to 21.8 million. There is no way Howie Roseman wants him to be on a 21.8 million dollar cap hit. So what they need to do is get together, agree to an extension. But if Reddick wants too much money and they're not willing to pay it, they would save about 16 million on the cap if they do a post June 1st trade of Hassan Reddick. Not wanting it to happen. I want Reddick back, but are you concerned about that contract and whether or not Reddick's back next year? Uh, I think that with Vic Fangio being here um, and relying on the, a, a very minimal pass rush, four or five guys at the absolute most, Hassan Reddick is not someone that you want to just give up on. Hassan Reddick is someone that you want to restructure that deal and you want to make sure that Vic Fangio is somebody that can get after the quarterback without a technical blitz actually happening. So I don't think that Howie Roseman is going to be, um, what do you call it, uh, treat this with a laissez-faire attitude. I think he's going to go in there and he's going to take care of it with some sort of extension that is obviously team-friendly and keeps Hassan Reddick as close to home as he has been in his career. So I don't think he's going anywhere. I think this is where uh, Howie Roseman gets creative. And I, I urge people this. And Now, the A.J. Brown notwithstanding, um, because that is, that is such a hard thing to rework that I don't see that they're going to rework anything in that regard. I think they're just going to keep as is. But I caution fans to always just be really careful when they're saying you can't do it because of the cap. Howie Roseman has shown over time that he's one of the best people ever at manipulating the cap, knows the ins and outs and loopholes better than anybody in the NFL. So when it comes to manipulating that cap in the in the text, in the context of someone like A.J. Brown, or excuse me, in the context of somebody like Hassan Reddick, they can get a deal done if both sides are willing to party. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful very hopeful that they're going to be able to come to an agreement. My concern, though, is is if Reddick wants to be paid like the T.J. Watts or the Miles Garretts of the world, as much as I love Reddick, sure. he's still a little bit below those guys. He's not Miles sure. Garrett. He's yeah. not T.J. Watt. So I'm praying. I'm praying that Roseman works his magic, but that's a name to look out for. But let me ask you your opinion. We talked about Jason Kelsey. Is he retiring? I don't think so. I was went, you know, since the Schefter tweet and all that, and some people I've spoken to, um, he has what one of the things that's really interesting is the only thing that makes me think, yeah, he's definitely retiring now is the only thing that makes me think that everything else is he's staying 
is the idea of entertaining a life in football, but not as a player. Yeah. And when he talked to Olivia Reiner and Olivia was kind enough to come on my show yesterday, she talked about all this great stuff that he said about how he wants to compete. And he's really excited about new coordinators and where this team could be. And he wants to be a part of that, but it could be potentially in the front office or with the team in some capacity where he's never on the outside of the building looking in to use his words. The fact that he entertained something other than a podcast, other than a broadcasting career, other than anything like that, he talked about staying and itching, you know, scratching the itch of competitive football, but not being a player. Connor Barwin did it. Brent Selleck did it. Brian Dawkins did it. You know, a lot of a lot of players have obviously done that and not been a player anymore. Um, but the thing that makes me really think that he is going to stay is that the way he talked in his Nick Sirianni supportive rant, everything was we and future tense. Yeah. That like, people are making a big deal about things that he said. And we, we of course talk about it's worth talking about, but one of the things that I kind of went, I think went under the radar, it was hi hiding in plain sight. It was the word we, and we need to do this. We need to do that. And we can do this and we can do that. And I'm like, okay, well, the minute you start saying we can do, or we will, we will, or we should, that means future. That means you're there, you're playing. And he doesn't sound like a guy that really wants to step away from it. And the, and, and the things that are there for him this offseason, if he retired, are going to be there for him next offseason, if he retires. So all that is just whenever, whenever he feels like he wants to take that step back, it's all there for him. It ain't going anywhere. Jason Kelsey is not going to become less popular. All right? So right now, listening to him talk about the team, listen to him talk about the, how intrigued he is with the owner or with the, um, with the coordinators makes me feel like this guy is, is coming back. And let's face it. I think we know Jason Kelsey pretty well in this city. If, if he's done, I think he knows he's done. And I think he would know very close to the end of the season that that's it. But the fact that he's still letting it linger out there, I think the longer this drags on, the more likely it is that he comes back. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean, I know he's still playing at an all-pro level, but he does require a big chunk of change if he comes back, and there are a lot of needs. I know people may think I'm crazy to say I wouldn't want Kelsey back, but <laughs> I just think you may be able to use that money elsewhere, mm -hmm. but, you know, we will see. Why do you hate he's Jason Kelsey, Bill? Why do you <laughs> yeah, hate that's Jason gonna be, That's what's going to be now in the chat. Billy Spadaro <laughs> hates Jason Kelsey. I am 80% that he plays again. Uh, we'll see what happens. We're going to we, – a lot of question marks this offseason. We didn't even get to some of these other veterans, but he's Mark Farzetta. Make sure you follow him on all social media platforms. He does the Farzy show every single day. Did I see, like, a special broadcast last night of you and Gunner? Yeah, uh, me and Gunner. We sat down last night and also aired on the Farzy show this morning as well. So Farzy show YouTube channel and Jacob Media Sports channel. My show uh, is uh, simulcast on both, so people can check it out. Trying to do a little bit more of the late-night interviews, hit that crowd, and, of course – uh, carried into uh, the morning as well for a repurposed interview. But Gunner was great, as you would imagine. Yeah, he always is. So I'm assuming you're probably two espressos deep then. You had a late night interview last night up at 6 a.m. <laughs> this morning. Number mm -hmm. two? Yeah, up at 5.59. Come on, 5.59. No. Uh, yeah, no, too deep. I only I only hit two. I only hit two so far today. Two, probably one more in the afternoon after my siesta. Not too bad. Not too bad. Well, he's Mark Farzetta. I appreciate you, my brother. I'll talk to you soon. Back at you, my friend. See ya. Always love our Thursdays with Farzi. So even though him and I disagree about Nick Sirianni, we seem to be eye to eye on everything else. So my man, Mark Farzetta.
And that does it for the Philly Sports Power Hour. But like we end every Philly Sports Power Hour with a little Today in Sports History, February 1st, 1968, the great Vince Lombardi stepped down as head coach of the Green Bay Packers. February 1st, 1968, Vince Lombardi hung him up. He stayed on as general manager for the Packers, but that was the last time he coached for the Green Bay Packers. But guys, I appreciate all of you, even though we don't agree on everything. I see you in the chat. Hit that like button for me. Hit that share button. Make sure you're following me on all your social media platforms, posting daily content about our Philadelphia Eagles. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere. I'll be back here tomorrow, 10 o'clock, on the Philly Sports Power Hour. And as always, go Birds. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.